0: Section sixty-six of Scenes from a Courtesan's Life by Honore de Balzac, translated by James Waring. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Last Avatar, Chapter Fifteen. A complete change of life is so violent a crisis that Jacques Collin, in spite of his resolution, mounted the steps but slowly going up from the rue de la barillerie to the galerie marchande where under the gloomy peristyle of the courthouse is the entrance to the court itself some civil case was going on which had brought a little crowd together at the foot of the double stairs leading to the assize court so that the convict lost in thought stood for some minutes checked by the throng to the left of this double flight is one of the mainstays of the building like an enormous pillar and in this tower is a little door this door opens on a spiral staircase down to the conciergerie to which the public prosecutor the governor of the prison the presiding judges king's counsel and the chief of the safety department have access by this back way it was up a side staircase from this now walled up that marie antoinette the queen of france was led before the revolutionary tribunal which sat as we all know in the great hall where appeals are now heard before the supreme court the heart sinks within us at the sight of these dreadful steps when we think that marie therese's daughter whose suite and headdress and hoops filled the great staircase at versailles once passed that way perhaps it was in expiation of her mother's crime the atrocious division of poland the sovereigns who commit such crimes evidently never think of the retribution to be exacted by providence when jacques collin went up the vaulted stairs to the public prosecutor's room bibi lupin was just coming out of the little door in the wall the chief of the safety had come from the conciergerie and was also going up to monsieur de granville it was easy to imagine bibi lupin's surprise when he recognized in front of him the gown of carlos Herrera, which he had so thoroughly studied that morning he ran on to pass him jacques collin turned round and the enemies were face to face each stood still and the self-same look flashed in both pairs of eyes so different in themselves as in a jewel two pistols go off at the same instant this time i have got you rascal said the chief of the safety department ah replied jacques Collin ironically it flashed through his mind that Monsieur de granville had sent some one to watch him and strange to say it pained him to think the magistrate less magnanimous than he had supposed bibi lupin bravely flew at jacques collin's throat but he keeping his eye on the foe gave him a straight blow and sent him sprawling on his back three yards off then trompe la mort went calmly up to bibi lupin and held out a hand to help him rise exactly like an english boxer who sure of his superiority is ready for more Bibi lupin knew better than to call out but he sprang to his feet ran to the entrance to the passage and signed to a gendarme to stand on guard then swift as lightning he came back to the foe who quietly looked on jacques collin had decided what to do either the public prosecutor has broken his word or he had not taken bibi lupin into his confidence and in that case i must get the matter explained thought he do you mean to arrest me he asked his enemy say so without more ado don't i know that in the heart of this place you are stronger than i am i could kill you with a well-placed kick but i could not tackle the gendarmes and the soldiers now make no noise where do you want to take me to monsieur camusot come along to monsieur camusot replied jacques Paulin why should we not go to the public prosecutor's court it is nearer he added bibi lupin who knew that he was out of favour with the upper ranks of judicial authorities and suspected of having made a fortune at the expense of criminals and their victims was not unwilling to show himself in court with so notable a capture all right we will go there said he, but as you surrender, allow me to fit you with bracelets. I am afraid of your claws, and he took the handcuffs out of his pocket. Jacques Collin held out his hands, and Bibi Lupin snapped on the manacles. Well, now, since you are feeling so good, said he, tell me how you got out of the conciergerie. By the way, you came, down the turret stairs. Then have you taught the gendarmes some new trick? no monsieur de granville let me out on parole you are gammoning me you will see perhaps it will be your turn to wear the bracelets just then corentin was saying to monsieur de granville well monsieur it is just an hour since our man set out are you not afraid that he may have fooled you he is on the road to Spain perhaps by this time, and we shall not find him there, for Spain is a whimsical kind of country. Either I know nothing of men or he will come back. He is bound by every interest. He has more to look for at my hands than he has to give. Bibi Lupin walked in. Monsieur le comte, said he, I have good news for you. Jacques Collin, who had escaped, has been recaptured and this said jacques collin addressing Monsieur de granville is the way you keep your word ask your double-faced agent where he took me where said the public prosecutor close to the court in the vaulted passage said bibi lupin take your irons off the man said Monsieur de granville sternly and remember that you are to leave him free till further orders go you have a way of moving and acting as if you alone were law and police in one the public prosecutor turned his back on bibi lupin who became deadly pale especially at a look from jacques collin in which he read disaster i have not been out of this room i expected you back and you cannot doubt that i have kept my word as you kept yours said monsieur de granville to the convict for a moment i did doubt you sir and in my place perhaps you would have thought as i did but on reflection i saw that i was unjust i bring you more than you can give me you had no interest in betraying me the magistrate flashed a look at corentin this glance which could not escape trempe la mort who was watching monsieur de granville directed his attention to the strange little old man sitting in an armchair in a corner Warned at once by the swift and anxious instinct that scents the presence of an enemy, Collin examined this figure. He saw, at a glance, that the eyes were not so old as the costume would suggest, and he detected a disguise. In one second, Jacques Collin was revenged on Corentin for the rapid insight with which Corentin had unmasked him at Peyrade's we are not alone said jacques collin to monsieur de granville no said the magistrate dryly and this gentleman is one of my oldest acquaintances i believe replied the convict he went forward recognizing corentin the real and confessed originator of lucien's overthrow jacques collin whose face was of a brick-red hue for a scarcely perceptible moment turned white almost ashy all his blood rushed to his heart so furious and maddening was his longing to spring on this dangerous reptile and crush it but he controlled the brutal impulse suppressing it with the force that made him so formidable he put on a polite manner and the tone of obsequious civility which he had practised since assuming the garb of a priest of a superior order and he bowed to the little old man monsieur corentin said he do i owe the pleasure of this meeting to chance or am i so happy as to be the cause of your visit here Monsieur de Granville's astonishment was at its height, and he could not help staring at the two men who had thus come face to face. Jacques Collin's behavior and the tone in which he spoke denoted a crisis, and he was curious to know the meaning of it. On being thus suddenly and miraculously recognized, Corentin drew himself up like a snake when you tread on its tail yes it is i my dear abbe carlos herrera and are you here said trompe mort to interfere between monsieur the public prosecutor and me am i so happy as to be the object of one of those negotiations in which your talents shine so brightly here monsieur le comte the convict went on not to waste time so precious as yours is read these they are samples of my wares and he held out to Monsieur de Granville three letters, which he took out of his breast-pocket. And while you are studying them, I will, with your permission, have a little talk with this gentleman. You do me great honour, said Corentin, who could not help giving a little shiver. You achieved a perfect success in our business, said Jacques Collin i was beaten he added lightly in the tone of a gambler who has lost his money but you left some men on the field your victory cost you dear yes said corentin taking up the jest you lost your queen and i lost my two castles oh contenson was a mere pawn said jacques collin scornfully you may easily replace him you really are allow me to praise you to your face you are on my word of honor a magnificent man no no i bow to your superiority replied corentin assuming the air of a professional joker as if he said if you mean humbug by all means humbug i have everything at my command while you are single-handed so to speak oh oh said jacques Collin and you were very near winning the day said corentin noticing the exclamation you are quite the most extraordinary man i ever met in my life and i have seen many very extraordinary men for those i have to work with me are all remarkable for daring and bold scheming i was for my sins very intimate with the late duc d'otrenteau i have worked for louis the eighteenth when he was on the throne and when he was exiled for the emperor and for the directory you have the tenacity of louvel the best political instrument i ever met with but you are as supple as the prince of Diplomats, and what auxiliaries you have i would give many a head to the guillotine if i could have in my service the cook who lived with poor little esther and where do you find such beautiful creatures as the woman who took the jewess's place for monsieur de Nussingen? i don't know where to get them when i want them monsieur monsieur you overpower me said jacques collin such praise from you will turn my head it is deserved why you took in peyrade he believed you to be a police officer he i tell you what if you had not that fool of a boy to take care of you would have thrashed us oh monsieur but you are forgetting contenson disguised as a mulatto and peyrade as an englishman actors have the stage to help them but to be so perfect by daylight and at all hours no one but you and your men come now said corentin we are fully convinced of our worth and merits and here we stand each of us quite alone i have lost my old friend you your young companion I, for the moment, am in the stronger position, why should we not do like the men in l'auberge des Adres? I offer you my hand and say, let us embrace and let bygones be bygones. Here, in the presence of monsieur le comte, I propose to give you full and plenary absolution, and you shall be one of my men, the chief next to me, and perhaps my successor. You really offer me a situation? said Jacques Collin. A nice situation, indeed, out of the fire into the frying-pan. You will be in a sphere where your talents will be highly appreciated and well paid for, and you will act at your ease. The government police are not free from perils. I, as you see me, have already been imprisoned twice, but I am none the worse for that. And we travel, we are what we choose to appear we pull the wires of political dramas and are treated with politeness by very great people come my dear jacques collin do you say yes have you orders to act in this matter said the convict i have a free hand replied corentin delighted at his own happy idea you are trifling with me you are very shrewd and you must allow that a man may be suspicious of you you have sold more than one man by tying him up in a sack after making him go into it of his own accord i know all your great victories the montaurin case the cimeuse business the battles of marengo of espionage well said corentin you have some esteem for the public prosecutor yes said jacques collin bowing respectfully i admire his noble character his firmness his dignity i would give my life to make him happy indeed to begin with i will put an end to the dangerous condition in which Madame de serizy now is m de granville turned to him with a look of satisfaction then ask him Quentin went on if i have not full power to snatch you from the degrading position in which you stand and to attach you to me it is quite true said Monsieur de granville watching the convict really and truly i may have absolution for the past and a promise of succeeding to you if i give sufficient evidence of my intelligence between two such men as we are there can be no misunderstanding said corentin with a lordly air that might have taken anybody in and the price of the bargain is i suppose the surrender of those three packets of letters said jacques Collin. i did not think it would be necessary to say so to you my dear monsieur corentin said trompe-l'amour with irony worthy of that which made the fame of talma in the part of nicomed i beg to decline i am indebted to you for the knowledge of what i am worth and of the importance you attach to seeing me deprived of my weapons i will never forget it at all times and forever i shall be at your service but instead of saying with robert macaire let us embrace i embrace you he seized corentin round the middle so suddenly that the other could not avoid the hug he clutched him to his heart like a doll kissed him on both cheeks carried him like a feather with one hand while with the other he opened the door and then set him down outside quite battered by this rough treatment good-bye my dear fellow said jacques collin in a low voice and in corentin's ear the length of three corpses parts you from me. We have measured swords. They are of the same temper and the same length. Let us treat each other with due respect, but I mean to be your equal, not your subordinate. Armed as you would be, it strikes me you would be too dangerous a general for your lieutenant. We will place a grave between us. Woe to you if you come over onto my territory. You call yourself the State, as footmen call themselves by their masters' names. For my part I will call myself Justice. We shall often meet, let us treat each other with dignity and propriety, all the more because we shall always remain atrocious blackguards," he added in a whisper. "'I set you the example by embracing you.' corentin stood nonplussed for the first time in his life and allowed his terrible antagonist to wring his hand if so said he i think it will be to our interest on both sides to remain chums we shall be stronger each on our own side but at the same time more dangerous added jacques collin in an undertone and you will allow me to call on you to-morrow to ask for some pledge of our agreement well well said corentin amiably you are taking the case out of my hands to place it in those of the public prosecutor you will help him to promotion but i cannot but own to you that you are acting wisely bibi lupin is too well known he has served his turn if you get his place you will have the only situation that suits you I am delighted to see you in it. On my honour. Till our next meeting, very soon, said Jacques Collin. End of section 66.